Hi everyone. Hi Christina. Hi Libby. I'm listening. <laughs> so we have some good stuff for you all today. I wanted to start with a question. And that question is, what are you focused on spiritually? What are those top five things? And if you have pen and paper around, just jot those down. And then I also want you to think about what is most important to you about spirituality and write that thing down too. And after you do so, I want you to think about if the things that you're actually focused on in your life are actually helping you get what's most important to you. Now, a lot of people will find that it's not. And the stuff that we're focused on isn't actually serving you to get what's most important to you. Now, in the past, I was a person that only focused on what I didn't want. So when I was asked this question, it was very eye-opening to me. I wanted unconditional love. And when I got deeper into that, I realized that the only reason why I wanted that is because no one had ever loved me and I didn't want to feel that pain. So I was going after it in a way that wasn't in true alignment, that there was something that happened to me to cause me to need that so bad. So find out where you are on that and keep that in mind while you listen to this podcast, because we're going to be unpacking and showing you a little bit of what's happened to me and also what's happened. So Olivia, what about you? So there's a couple of things that I'm working on specifically around my spirituality. So in my coaching model, I like to coach on total human optimization. So I'll take your big six areas in your life. So your relationships, love, career, mental and physical health, self-growth, personal development, and then your like physical health. So what I encourage you to do and my clients to do is to take all of those areas under the microscope because, you know, you can only be as strong as your weakest link. So you need to find out now which area of my life is bringing down my overall score. Because, you know, you could be going to college, you could be, um, you know, acing all of your exams, you pass all the quizzes, the essays, but your attendance is really terrible. So no matter what, you're not going to be able to get higher than a B. Very similar. So we figure out which area is lacking. I have to say my spiritual life is something that I have been sort of putting on the back burner. I would say like right now, maybe that and love are probably lower down on the list. For me, usually it's mental health first, personal growth, physical health, career, family, spiritual, and then love. So for me, love is usually at the bottom of the list. So that's what I've been working on. Last year, I started the Miracle Morning. So I do meditation, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing, which is journaling. And the first one is silence for meditation. So the acronym is SAVERS. I've recently added grounding to that as well. So it'd be SAVERS G. I do that first thing in the morning. I take off my shoes and I walk my dog outside really early, right, as the sun is coming up and then I exercise or and then I meditate, then I exercise. So that was massively useful in helping me to transition into a different industry of selling software. And it was something I didn't know anything about. I pretty much had to teach myself and it got me through that. It got me to thriving. My, I set a goal of starting to make $10,000 a month. Six months later, I made $9,638 that month. I mean, everything that I was visualizing, I was making happen. And then 2020 comes around and I am living the life of my dreams. And it's been the hardest, but it's also been the most rewarding. That and then, you know, one effort that I'm really trying to work on is practicing sacred sexuality. What that means is just honoring the body, honoring my body as sacred. 
recognizing its value, you know, having a better relationship with my ego, understanding when my mind tricks me with irrational thinking. Also giving your partner space, respecting personal space, creating safety, creating boundaries, communication, and in relationships. Because if you're practicing this sacred sexuality, then you're holding a space and therein, I believe, lies God, lies love. And so that's something that I'm really making an effort to develop in my life. And I tell you, it has not been easy because we have such old patterns that are ingrained within us. And, you know, I just made a post about this the other day, like guaranteed, I'm going to tell you I love you way too soon. And it's false. You know, it's like, yes, I'm giving you I, I love you. But love is unconditional. Love is eternal. So unless I'm still wanting the best for that person, even after we break up, then chances are that I probably didn't love them because that's the indicator. Do you still want them to be happy no matter what, even if it's not with you? Do you still want to help them to succeed and grow as a person, even if that means that they're going to date above you, they're going to level up? You know what I mean? Like these are things that can happen. That was always my biggest fear. Oh, he's going to break up with me and go be the perfect guy for somebody else. You know, it's hard. It's tough. It's really tough. You know, I'm sort of experiencing that right now, but it's like at the end of the day, I do care I do I can tell like my soul usually like just it connects with people very quickly and so I do feel this feeling of love because it's easy for me to just open my heart and let the love in but what I need to work on is the new design so I'm a cancer I'm a crab and I have developed this new (laughs) shell idea so basically I'm obsessed with the umbrella academy so the shell is a glass dome so it's a glass dome umbrella and it has a little sliding window like at the bank like little drive-through bank sliding window so like when I trust somebody and I've created safety and and vulnerability and like boundaries in our relationship then I'll slide open the little sliding door like visiting hours only (laughs) and then I'll let our little souls and hearts connect so yeah if you're a cancer out there and you struggle with walls and you struggle with creating safety, creating boundaries, reach out to me and I'll help you to redesign your shell because we need our shell, really. Like, especially people who are very empathetic, like Christina here. She has to protect herself from everybody's energy because they're just trying to like connect with her so much and that like take it all from her. So she needs to have protection up, which is really, really important. When you were talking about when you changed your thoughts and the way that you were getting the things that you wanted, that a really good equation for that is what you focus on will create behaviors and then give you results. So if you're not getting the results that you want, you have to focus on something different that'll get you those things. Or change your action, right? Oh, you have to take massive action regardless of what you do because there is an equal and opposite reaction for every action that is taken. And if you put massive action out there, it's going to come back as massive action to you too. Yeah. And so the opposite side of the equation is going to be your energy leaks, right? So I know typically, of course, we all have blind spots. So if you really want to attain these goals that you've been telling yourself that you just can't seem to create or to reach or fulfill or whatever it is, hire a coach. Hire one of us to be your coaches or let us refer you to a coach that can help with your specific 
industry with I your know. specific niche. We're on a huge platform with thousands of coaches and there is one out there for you and it will be the best investment you've ever made in your life. I just finished an NLP three-day business conference. Absolutely like life-changing. So worth it. So, 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 so worth it. Click on my link, which I'll add on the notes for the podcast. See all the different products that they have to offer. But if you're trying to scale your business, if you want to start a podcast, this is unavoidable. You have to excel and study and master this area because it's going to be the only way to have like the biggest impact on people and to help them and to help them to help others. How does your mind trick you? Where are your biggest energy leaks right now that are holding you back from attaining your goal? A lot of time uh, show up as projections or triggers in my life that I didn't know were there. So I count on other people to show me something that's not in direct view of my consciousness. So if I find myself getting upset or getting really triggered by someone or not liking something in someone, then that shows me where I have a leak and that instead of trying to bulldoze my way through it and not actually go to the person and say, hey, what's going on here? This is what I usually do. But now I actually, I did this recently. I was having a conversation with someone and someone came up and they came up real hot. You know, they come up and they're just like this, you know, like looking around. I'm like, oh, did I do something wrong? And I was feeling very uncomfortable. And I was like, okay, what is this showing me? What is this showing me? And normally I would just internalize that. Like I have all this energy and all my mind keep going and going and going, overthinking. And then I just went up to the person and simply said, you came in pretty hot. Did I do something wrong? I'm asking for growth. And in that moment, they're like, oh, no, I didn't. And he's like, did I seem that way? I was like, yeah, it felt that way to me. And he's like, oh, no. And it completely dispersed any of those things. So before that leak would have continued, but I just went directly to whatever was coming out of me, the energy that was leaking out. And I, instead of just with my thoughts, pumping that balloon full of helium, keep trying to keep it full, that I went directly to that leak and I closed the leak by actually involving someone in that conversation and asking them directly instead of putting more energy into it. But being able to know that's what to do. There's sometimes I fail. I don't call it failing. I say the universe giving me feedback. Exactly. That's <laughs> just, great. Just giving me feedback constantly. Being unconsciously competent about being shown myself through others and thinking about it as a, as a growing experience. But I continue to try and do that on a daily basis. And when I fail, I don't think of it that way anymore. And for you, so what's going on in your story at this point? Well, I wanted to talk about the energy leaks for me really quick. So I know that, you know, I don't operate at my best if I am drinking a lot. And I don't really drink that much. I usually just drink a little bit of rosé with some sparkling water. But the last few weeks have been a little bit tumultuous for me. You know, I've been going through a lot of transitions. We've been launching this podcast. So I've been drinking maybe like two or three times a week. And it's fine. And I usually get up and work out in the morning, but I don't feel my best. And my mind is not the sharpest. I put on weight a lot easier because I don't eat as healthy. So with that being said, you know, I know what I need to do. I need to take, you know, 30 days off of drinking and just really, you know, get focused on my goals and creating my goals, becoming the person that I want to be, becoming the person that I'm proud to look in the mirror of. And, you know, being able to give myself those words of affirmation that I so long for. So, yeah, going into the podcast right after this, shortly after the time I'm talking about is when my mom gets cancer. I have to go to Florida and then I go to Houston after that and meet 
my ex. It's going to talk about that whole time period and what I went through and experienced. Little hairy, scary as per usual. I never got to meet this person, so I don't know. Lucky about you. That. Yeah. Uh, please, please, please let us know if you guys have any questions for us and submit them as soon as you possibly can. We love you. We'll talk to you at the end. Bye. <laughs> That's when I just started kind of going off the deep end. I ended up getting pregnant, had an abortion. During that time, I was like 23. With a boyfriend or? Just some guy that I was hooking up with, not a boyfriend, no. Yeah, just something like that, just a couple weeks. Your sisters were here at that point at 23 or? No, oh, my older sister was. I didn't tell her because she, or I did tell her and she freaked out. She was like, no. You know, because she had had a but my friend had had one. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, no, that's the best thing to do. I went through. You have to think of color or do you have to go abortion? You can do either. Yeah. So that was a pill. So you had an abortion at home and it was very, very painful. Uh, yeah. You're like throwing up and shitting at the same time. Your oh, no. cramps feel like death. So just kind of like history of like, you know, I have got another boyfriend named but. I was always looking for something, something that was wrong. I hacked into his emails and I found out that he was emailing his ex from New York and was telling her how much he wanted to get back together with her. And and part of me was relieved. I was like, okay. I wrote him, I was like, hey, we're done. It was almost like I was happy to get away from like a relationship if it was going too serious or something like that. You know, I've been very always flighty, very. Am I understanding this right though? You're saying he was with you Dating you. And, he was my boyfriend. And literally, like, bidding for a relationship with another chick at the same time? His ex, yeah. Telling her he wanted to get back together with her and stuff like that. I think there's something healthy about getting away from that situation. <laughs> right, right, right. But I was happy that I had found those emails. It wasn't like I was, yeah. like, devastated. I was almost like, perfect. I have a good reason to break up with you. Yeah. Like, and to get out. Because that's how I've been for so long. It's like, any sort of thing, when I can be the first one to pull out, I will. You know? As long as I ended it, protecting myself, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I was going to school 4.0 GPA, really, really, really like committed to doing well in school. Then I met and I can calculate to the second that my whole life started to go downhill. And it was the day that I met him that night. Jesus, really? What happened? I took some Molly. I had a phone case, my first iPhone. I lost it. And then after that, it was like, because he never worked. And so he just slowly was like, you know, let's party. Let's do this. Let's do that. And so I just started slipping away from school. That's when I first started, like, missing classes, dropping classes. Everything started to change. I started partying a lot more. One night I came home. I was living with my sister on Far West. I was drunk and upset. And I was like, I'm going to kill myself. I, like grabbed a huge knife out of the kitchen. My little sister had to like fight it out of my hand because I would get into these like places of just like pure and utter like desperation. And just I would cry and cry and cry. Just be like, what the fuck? You know, coming down from these like all three day bingers or like no sleep, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I was like really getting into partying. And then I couldn't even look at for years after that because I just was like, you ruined my life. I blamed him. I blamed him for everything. And I just like, he would try to like come up to me and like bars like, no, get away from me. And I just like hated him. This is way before, you know, taking personal responsibility and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, fast forward to the whole thing that happened with my mom. 
So, okay, so that was like 2010, 11, 2012. So it was a good three years of me just kind of getting going crazy, like partying, uh, being directionless, you know, fucking around. I've never had really long relationships. They were like, the longest was like Alejandro and then afterwards Fisher. So I just didn't like, it was just a, a history of like, being with these guys that just didn't treat me good. Like this one guy named Troy, he would always just want to watch porn next to me. And just always just like this reaffirming pattern of not being enough, not being enough to fulfill like a man's needs or desires or the fact that they're always going to want more, somebody else, somebody prettier, you know. And then my own insecurities with my body. And ultimately I just loved drinking and partying because I felt confident. I felt like I could fit in. I felt like I could sort of fit into the world and everybody else, you know, because that's what they were doing. They were partying and stuff like that. And it gave me this like little security blanket. It made me feel more comfortable like I fit in because I always felt like different. I mean, it was, I had a very different background. I was a very different person, always. So it just made me feel like more, I don't know, normal. And then I got together with and we were, Really close in the beginning. We were best friends. You and me. At a rehab show. DJ rehab. Typical. Molly. You know, we were rolling. We met. Went home with him. And then we just stayed together for like, he was a cancer like me. We were very, very similar. We started working together. We grew the company. But because we were partying so much and he was kind of sociopathic. He was. He was. Like he was just, he had an agenda for me and how I was going to fit in his life and help him. And when I would deviate from that, he would freak out. He had severe anger issues. So he would like blow up and scream. And he was abusive physically, emotionally. He would always like, if I gained a pound, he would ask me if I was pregnant, if I'd gotten pregnant. Physically too? So physically. What was that like? Uh, one time I had to, he was like getting really violent. So I ran into our other room, locked the door, got under the bed, he broke in tall like six one yeah okay and dragged me out from underneath the bed and like pushed my face in the carpet and yeah it was always involving alcohol for sure yeah Yeah. one time i I woke up one morning and i had just blood everywhere and i was like what happened and he said you fell and then i like later on that day i had a flashback of me getting out of the elevator and him pushing me up against the wall and me like banging and like falling back and not exactly sure how blood happened but he would make it seem like I did it to myself also my mom had just died and I didn't know anything else it was the only thing I had like I was making money you know I was more secure than I had been in a long time financially and I wanted to be a part of something so badly like I wanted to be a part of something him like family or just I wanted to be wanted I wanted to like have somebody like claim me and this is like what we're gonna do this is you know make plans with me and so I hung on even though like I've always felt so alone and outside like an outsider because they were all Israeli always spoken Hebrew I never understood what they were saying they were always making fun of me making fun of you yeah like make fun of me all the time like he would just always put me down I mean my confidence was so low at the end of that relationship he would just call me stupid just like so much just like terrible 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 things like you know especially yeah like he he would say that I was just an illusion because of my eyelashes and my like you know like everything on me was just like fake like 
my high heels because I was actually short. And he, it was a big thing with my weight. Like my weight thing has been, and I was never skinnier than I was during that time. I was like, I'll show you a picture. I was just like. Regarding your weight is like, that's like a knee jerk laugh. Well, I look like a bobblehead. Like my head looked too big for my body. I was so skinny. But he, if I gained a pound, he would like, he would go straight at it. Like, are you pregnant? Like, what's going on? You look fat. Are you saying that like once a week or? He would say it all the time, you know, and then it was uh, in September. They have a lot of the Jewish holidays, Rosh Hashanah. So we had one of those and I got wasted and blacked out. And apparently we had sex. And after that, he was really monitoring me. He was like, when's your period? When's your period? When's your period? I was like, I don't know. Why? Why? And he's like, I'm just wondering. Because he knew that he had fucked me that night and come inside of me. And he knew that I didn't know that. And then... I start realizing my period is late. And he's like, you need to take a test. And then he ends up confessing. Sure enough, I'm pregnant. And he's like, okay, well, let's go get an abortion. At this point, we were already breaking up. Like, we were already like, you know, we're going to ride out the, for the next couple months and I'm moving to Austin. And I was just like so upset. I was like, oh, that's how you want to end this? That's how you want to do it? You want to fuck me, get me pregnant, make me have an abortion and then end things? Of course, I wanted one too. You know, I didn't want to have a baby with him. But the other night when asked me if I thought I might be pregnant, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like it just really like brought back all of that to my mind, you know? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? No, like I never wanted that to happen to me again, you know? And so I've been crazy about taking the precautions since then. Cause it's a super fucking hard thing to go to. I don't want to trick somebody into having a kid. Like, that's not what I'm going to do. I know I would like to have one, but with somebody who also wants to have one with me and is ready, you know, it's like, I want to have children with you. Any other way, that's not going to happen. And it, I just felt like it was just such an attack on my character. And it just brought back all of these things, like these stories, I guess, that I told myself, you know, like, I'm not that person. And not being seen, it just made me feel like, is that how people see me? You know, this like tricksy sort of hoe again, like how I've always been. So it's just been a history of just very like unloving relationships where I felt less than and not enough. And, and now getting to this place where like I embrace my sexuality, it's taken a long time. But now I feel like, is it not healthy? Is it not right? What do you think? I need some feedback now. Well, first of all, as a dude, I don't think, uh, I, you know, I don't think I'm qualified specifically to place any judgment. I think the weight of the responsibility that you guys carry just biologically, like just your biological cross, is something I will not have to know about ever, ever. You know, I have my own, when we do as men, we have our own oh shit or holy crap or whatever components, so. I just want to start by honoring that and saying, you know, for you guys, I'm sorry that you have to carry that. It's like a ridiculous amount of responsibility that I will have no understanding of. None. You know, I could pretend, but it's like 20 times removed. I think from what I've looked up, what I understand to be true, and what I validated through my own experience is that sex is an incredibly powerful bonding tool. It's its own sort of magic, dark or light, like sacred medicine or like anything else. It depends on how you use it with intention and what your purpose is going into it. So if you bring a conscious purpose to sacred medicine, you can get benefit. I was going to say, 
before I forget, another obvious like repercussion or symptom of never feeling like I'm enough or that somebody only wants me, especially with Fisher, was cheating. And I don't think I've been wanting to be very honest with myself about that. And as a matter of fact, I've been very judgmental on people who do. Who cheat? Yeah. And I have never been in a relationship where I didn't. Okay, so you have some cognitive dissonance around... Because I feel like it's all, it's that defense mechanism. It's that flighty, like, when I feel like they're pulling away or feeling insecure, like they don't trust me or like I'm not getting what I need, that I have to go, like, validate myself with somebody who does find me attractive or whatever. Most recently with... Like, my love language is words of affirmation. I have to hear it. Like, and it might be because of my insecurities, but I have to be reassured constantly that you love me and that, you know, that you find me attractive. And, oh, and then this is the other thing. So, speaking about bad sex, it was like every single time it was the same. He would want to fuck me from behind or from the side. Super not intimate. And that was the only way that he wanted to have sex, always was from behind, like not looking at me. Do you need to do matter? Hmm? Oh, no, not at all. He didn't even like me to use a vibrator. Mm -mm. No way. And when I was with, I started realizing that that's how we were having also sex all the time. But he was so sensitive, I couldn't tell him anything without him freaking out and shutting down. Insecure or twerking? Insecure and like, yeah, he's had, he had a lot of baggage too, which he told me in the beginning. He's like, Olivia, I'm destroyed. I'm heartbroken. I'm not like, you know, like people tell me and I'm just like, oh, it's okay. Love is going to fix it. It'll be fine. Like I can help you heal and it'll be okay. But he was very, very honest with me. It's like, there isn't going to be a happy ending. We're not going to get married. Like that's, you know, from the very beginning. And I was like, oh, okay, we'll see. We'll see. And then him, yeah, just having like turning me over, fucking me from behind and me sitting there thinking like, and not saying a word, you know, and I asked him like, I was able to be like, hey, you know, like, I like really like talking in sex, you know, like verbal, like, I don't do that, he said. And when I asked him, you know, for words of affirmation, I don't understand why I have to stroke your fucking cock 24 seven. So zero desire to like love me the way that I needed to be loved. Yeah, for needing it. Why are you so insecure? Why do you need that? Why do you need me to stroke your ego all the time? It really triggered me the way that he had sex because it with me, because it reminded me of being with and that feeling of they could literally be fucking anybody right now. They're not seeing me. I'm not talking. They're not. There's no sound. You know, they might be imagining someone else. And this like super lack of intimacy. So we got into a fight around Thanksgiving and I went out. I got drunk and uh, fucked somebody else. And the next day he was like, oh, let's talk. You know, I wasn't super, didn't feel really guilty about it because we had never even had the like exclusivity topic but I still didn't feel good about it so like this is one of the things that I coach you know around with my clients is like so we create you know these pathways we have these neuroplasticity in our brain solutions that we go to pick when we're feeling a certain way Mm -hmm. which it's okay you know if you reach for that pint of Ben and Jerry's once or twice but if you do it every single time you're feeling down or lonely it's going to be much harder at the end of the day for you to break that habit because your brain's automatically be like oh she's feeling uh upset solution Ben and Jerry's and then it becomes that routine right so it's the same with me I'm feeling rejected not enough I'm going to go find external validation mm-hmm. through somebody else 
is gonna find me attractive and hot and can tell me I'm sexy from one night, spank my ass or whatever. And so it all goes back to this dichotomy of me not wanting to let go of that freedom, but me needing to realize where it's not serving me and how it's holding me back from ultimately, you know, finding true connection. Because if I'm being honest, I wish that people were more progressive as far as like hooking up with somebody right away. I don't want to be ashamed or find shame in like hooking up with somebody right off the bat, but I know with myself that I've always done that. And so maybe it's time for me to hold my body more sacred, but without letting go of my sexual power. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. What steps do you see me needing to take for healing? I think understanding the decisions we make in the context of we do have needs. We have needs for connection. We have needs for safety. We have needs for love. We have needs for having and feeding some sort of will to power within us. So I think when you can honor and understand and contextualize the decisions that you've made. You know, I had a maniac a couple of years myself, you know, where I was split. You know, you want a relationship, you want stability, you want love and connection, but it's like, you're not getting what you need, Smith. And it's like, next. So it's kind of disorienting and it takes from your energy. I think that the Bible and other sacred texts encourage the use of vision future forward to plan. So if we know we have weaknesses to the flesh, to seduction, to... Oh, and as far as porn goes, like, so since then, that situation, I never have wanted to have anal, but I watch porn, I watch gangbang porn. Like, that's the only kind of porn I like to watch. These girls just getting, like, torn up with, like, ten big black dicks. But it's weird because, like, I'll be, like, masturbating, and as soon as I come, I'm, like, gross. And, like, I turn it off. So I can only watch it just until that moment. And then I'm like, ugh, disgusts me. And I will turn it off as soon as I come. But it's just kind of like going back to what we were talking about before about like how I got spanked a lot when I was younger and now I like to get spanked and stuff like that. I don't know why that turns me on. You know, I have like a rape fantasy also. I think that's kind of normal. Mm -hmm. Is it normal for somebody who's gotten raped? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's normal. Even if you haven't gotten raped, there's so much pressure and it, like the ability to dissolve responsibility around it, especially because it's so much, you know, the mind's like, should I, should I not, you know, especially the sheer consequences, what if, it's totally normal, uh, I think, at least in my experience. So the way I see it, what just came to me is like, the hardest part of like, for me going to AA was having to associate myself with other alcoholics, right? wanting so desperately to just be normal, to be able to have one or two drinks and be fine, to not be that person that blacks out all the time, but having to be a part of this group that knows that they need to watch themselves and can't really just drink like other people can. Because of the context of what they've suffered. Yeah. Or just because of our powerlessness over it, you know, like once you start drinking, can't really stop. But of course, like we talked about that and I don't like that like terminology, but that was what kept me from not wanting to open up about this sexual part of my life. Because I'm like, no, I want to be able to still have sex with whoever I want to and do whatever I want. And nobody told me that I can't do it instead of maybe looking and being like, well, actually, maybe 
you know, this is a problem area for you and you can't or shouldn't express yourself that way as much as other people because of the unhealthy repercussions that come from it. Because I'm really tough, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I can do these things and I feel like it's minimal consequences for me. Like, I'm like, I can handle it. But maybe recognizing that I can't and it's okay that I can't. Going back to the beginning, it's fighting that thing inside of me, that rebellious nature that's like, you're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to take this away from me. You've wanted to take it away from me my whole life. I can do whatever I want. And that's where that dichotomy is. So the challenge then becomes in those moments of impulse or weakness or desire to do something where we know in the future that will lead to bad consequences, emotional distress, a repetition of the grim disconnection and all those feelings that come with the situation that that leads to. It's how do you negotiate with yourself? What conversation do you have? What self-talk do you have? to encourage and support the integration of those two holes. What do you remind yourself of is waiting for you? What do you reinforce as a vision? Where do you go in your head? What space do you open up? There are lots of times when I blacked out and I would wake up in bed next to somebody, not know what their name was. That happened, so I got sober 2017, right after ACL because I'd had a weekend like that. And I would look over and I'd be like, oh, he's hot. Okay, no big deal. Because when my autopilot turns on, I'm like a tigress. Like, I'll just see something, I'll be like, you, let's go. So there's this part of me that's like this sexual aggressor. And I like that power, that power to like consume somebody. It's a big power. Especially like I have a very strong tendency, especially in relationships, if I feel like for the power struggle you know like if I feel like they don't like me as much as them it becomes an obsession for me to get the tables to turn I don't ever like to end something without me being on top I just feel like it's time for me to let that go that part of me what do you think that I need to do to heal myself and to move past this and become a person that can give myself fully and fully to somebody and have a good healthy relationship I think a framework for having the purpose like an identified purpose around the relationship and a dialogue to, and a blueprint for making your needs known and transparency around weaknesses. So you said you can't love with a broken heart in your message? I define love very specifically as an involuntary response to virtue. So love to me is the highest form of regard in the mature romantic sense. There's loves that you give to the world, there's kids, yes, I want to feel, I want to just be able to love myself enough where I don't need all of that validation and attention. I want to be okay with my sexuality and I want to be able to feel okay being horny and asking for what I need and wanting to have sex and stuff like that, but within the confines of a good and healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. And whether that means taking a break sexually, you know, because I really haven't. I mean, except for the times that I was in the family on probation. <laughs> really? When I was in course school. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we have the answers within us, but it's speaking them out loud so that it becomes official. Is that something that you think would be a good idea for me? For me, my work has been around overcoming my own high ACE test score 
So I had to overcome an identity that was essentially created and forged in a lack of connection and a lack of highest guidance. And so my traumas are located in different areas based on the fact that I'm a guy, you know, just like the whole penetrate, it's inverted. Uh So if I had to give you guidance as a daughter, as a sister, as a, you know, a fellow companion on the path of recovery from our mutual childhoods that was brutal, basically, you know, horrible, disconnected, dysfunctional, no place safe. Because of the fact that I had and have and walked the path of self-knowledge, I know how important it is for me to have a healthy, connected pair bond, to have healthy, connected relationships, functional, compassionate, considerate to and considerate of what people are dealing with. I think the whole process is healing. You could go abstinent for a while. You could go the opposite route. You could connect. I think either way, it will take thinking through. You will be challenged. You are divided internally, currently, but thinking through what is the best case scenario for yourself, it's up to you. If I said, if I was your, you know, we all have two sets of parents, right? We have our mortal parents, fallible parents, but they gave life to us. And we have our design, divine sets of parents, you know? I think there's divinity within all of us. Mm-hmm. And if I was to give you advice, I would say just be compassionate with yourself, be honest, and find a model because you haven't been exposed to a model of what a healthy, mature relationship looks like. And we would have to then learn the language and the interface and the essential. Seeing what like a safe, secure relationship looks like, creating a safe space for myself. That's what my friend Christina was telling me. Yeah. Because like immediately, like, you know, after asking that, I felt immediately unsafe. Like it was just kind of like, you think somebody knows you or you think that they think of you in a certain way. And then that is just completely shattered and just completely killed something inside of me instantly dead. I lost complete and total attraction because the safety was just like pulled out from underneath me. I felt robbed of it. And it triggered all these like, you know, memories of like and also being feeling very unsafe and not seen. Like I was like, you should just know about a person. But that's way too much to expect of anybody. I don't blame him at all. He didn't mean it. He didn't mean it in a bad way. Like he didn't know how it would affect me. I do not fault him or blame him. I'm sure he just wanted to know, you know, probably something he's concerned about, but wow. It just hit something inside of me and I was like, oh shit, feeling to do. And I mean, I I thought like I've been working on myself so long. I've made so many good changes. I've made so much progress. Like I feel ready. I feel ready to give my all in a relationship. But I keep matching with these guys who are not ready and are a lot further back in the emotional like development stage which makes me think that you know I'm I'm not as you know advanced as I thought I was and that's okay but it just means that I have more work to do as much as I want to be like no I'm a good match for somebody right now might not be the case 
you know, just why I'm glad we're doing this because I want it to be the case. I want to be loving from a place of, you know, function, mm -hmm. remedy, mm -hmm. scar tissue. If that stuff exists, if it's under the surface and it's going to predictably come out, you can do it, you know, misindependent style, but you can also do it in relationship. Well, yeah, I mean, if that hadn't happened last night, I never would have, you know, right. I wouldn't have learned that about myself. There are certain things that have to happen with interactions yeah. with other people where you can't learn. Like, sure. yes, I believe you can learn in a relationship for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. But it's also very important to me that I match with somebody who's either on my level or above. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody that I can like really learn from who's gonna, it's time. It's time for me to be with somebody who can be a mentor to me also, because I feel like I'm always the one that's fooling the other. You grow with people. Uh, if they're willing to grow. And Spiral Dynamics works across so it's fluid because you kind of like go up and down through them no well yeah i mean there's like he even said he's like i'm with him as far as like being a third in the orange right exactly yeah. me too yeah you're right and i like making money exactly mm -hmm. yeah and the stability that it brings and the comfort feels like a sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. yeah i like capitalism yeah right i do me too so, but see, there's certain things just like that, that we know about ourselves, but we're just not willing to let them go yet. You know? What aren't you willing to let go? Why should you let go? Can't you? Hypothetically, if the goal was to be moving up levels of consciousness, do you want to stay stuck down in tier two? Or do you kind of want to like fully, I mean, what should the goal be? I mean, definitely not perfection, but for instance, like this whole sexual part of myself, maybe I've known that it was holding me back, but I wasn't willing to let go of it yet until now. Holding you back. So I think of everything in context of what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? What is holding me back from being in a healthy, loving, committed relationship? So your sexuality is holding you back from... Well, these past things that have happened in my life, these past sex experiences maybe yes. that like i never had told i never told anybody that's stuff that i told you mm -hmm. i was very very ashamed of that very sure thank you for sharing by the way i know that's like tremendously courageous too no i'm at a point where i want to share it with the world like hey that's what happened that's my story that's my life you know everyone's gonna have their opinions but at this point, the more humble i can get the better so anything that can help keep me humble i embrace it so i don't mind embarrassing myself putting my foot in my mouth i'm like i need it <laughs> i do i need a reason to laugh at myself and just let myself know that it's okay just to you know be me this concept called individuation young brings up all the time and i think it's like really 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 important mm -hmm. so it's like it is the process of be becoming whole from when we divide, the process of reconciling the cognitive dissonance, which is the stretching of and maintaining two separate beliefs, right? You got sex is good, sex is sacred, and you got we're too liberal, we're too giving it out too much. Or you got, I want a committed relationship, but I want- Sexual freedom. Sexual freedom, exactly, yeah. So if we can bring those things together, 
and unite both parts and say, how can I integrate these two poles and know what's healthy for my organism itself, which is always a loving, committed, safe relationship. Welcome back. What do you guys think about that? Pretty wild. We'd love to hear from you with any questions that you have. Christina is going to talk about some of the merchandise that she's created. That y'all are definitely <laughs> going to want to get you some. <laughs> Listen to it. All right. So apparently I'm funny and I did not know. I just introduced her to her comedian split. Well, I do want to do a little stand-up comedy at some point, but anywho. So I'm going to be making these t-shirts and it's going to be a guy just going. For everyone who's only listening, she's holding her hands up like in sort of like a question form. Yes. So if you're doing the YMCA, kind of like the Y, but not as high up. That's what it looks like. (laughs) And it's going to be a guy with a very interesting face and it's going to say holding the space. No, uh, contemplative. So I thought somebody was going to come up and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, someone says, what are you doing? And he says, holding the space. And <laughs> then on the back says, I'm listening. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. Frasier is my favorite TV show on earth. It's I'm, literally best. Oh my gosh, I am Even on though he's season, such a pompous fool season. and he loves Freud like a complete nitwit. Anyway. I uh, am on season six right now. Oh my god, I'm gonna rewatch it. But they I took it, it off Prime uh, <laughs> or it's Netflix. On, it's, it's on Hulu. Okay, I don't have Hulu. Okay. Anyhow, so and then the next one is all vibes appreciated because I'm not part of that good vibes only culture. I like all your vibes. I can hold space for any vibe, and uh, I can help you unpack that. So also the other one is gonna be a person with a big old luggage, like a couple of them, and like they're wheeling them. They look very heavy. And then it's someone's going to come up to you and says, do you want me to help you unpack that? You know, because you, you, got, you got a lot of baggage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're actually going to have the link for the merchandise ready for you guys after this podcast. So we're going to launch the podcast this Wednesday. We're going to upload the YouTube videos. So you'll be able to see all of our episodes in real time. And then we are... Planning a auction, an auction event, an art event. It's going to be sort of like a charity art auction slash ball. Fingers crossed that we're going to be able to host it at both the Pershing and Reina. So Reina will be during the week for people to be able to come and see the art and see it before it gets auctioned off. And on Sunday at the Pershing, we'll auction it. We'll have raffle tickets so that you can win our full six-month program or one of her prints. So Allie Walker is the artist. And she is just absolutely stunningly, breathtakingly gifted. She does oil paintings and she she really has a heavy influence from Salvador Dali. Beautiful, beautiful. So she does these illustrations that represent the lives of people who have had very, very challenging lives full of obstacles and struggles. And so she represents it in the most exotic, esoteric way. So I'm having one made for my story. Christina is having one made for hers. We have a couple of potential investors who are looking into getting their stories commissioned as well. So that's going to be at the end of September. I'm shooting for September 29th, I believe. Or not 29th, whatever that Sunday is. I think it's 27th. So the tickets to go to the auction will be $100. The bid is going to be starting at $10,000. And the winners will each win an additional prize if they reach a certain amount. 
So it's going to be amazing. And then we're going to have this podcast playing in headphones so that while you're looking at the painting, you could be listening to the story in Audible. So it's really, really awesome. So what I'm trying to do in the month of September is go on tour up the East Coast. So I'm going to start in Louisiana or Houston then Louisiana and then North Carolina and Georgia. And then I'm going to end in New York and most likely fly back. So I'm going to be meeting with two people twice a week for two days. So the ideal is that we would stay with the client if we know them and trust them. We need to have video referrals. So if people could start submitting those to us, we also need at least three to five video referrals from friends and then a video application from you if you're interested. So we're offering the Ruby package, which is a six hour guided voyage, an experiential voyage where we take you back into time and we extract your story using different modalities like NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis, all of that stuff. So that's going to be super massively useful in helping you to process through a bunch of the trauma that you've experienced. And then you will have three hours on the phone with Christina. Zoom. Or Zoom, so in two different sessions. So you get actually get three sessions all together and you get to spend two days with me physically. So I will also have a partner with me. She represents sacred sexuality and she'll be transcribing for me and basically drawing it out for me and for you for the, as the client. So we're going to do a limited time offer of $2,300. And that will include us coming to visit you for our travel expenses so that we could pay her and I for our time and for a breakthrough. And just try to think about like how important having a breakthrough is for you. I also want you to determine what the transitional dilemma is that you are going through in your life right now. Maybe there's an area of spirituality that you're trying to break into like a ice. You want to get through that and be able to just get past whatever it is that you're struggling through. So I want you to write down your transitional dilemma. And then I want you to ask yourself, is this a $1 problem or a million dollar problem? Come to us with the million dollar problem and refer one of your friends from a different city in a different state up the East Coast. And if you refer to us, one of your one of your friends will uh, give you $50 off of your package. All right. We're only going to be meeting with 10 people total. So think about that. It's not necessarily first come, first serve, because I'm going to do a pretty heavy vetting process to make sure that you're a right candidate. September is coming around pretty soon. So what I'm thinking, guys, is it might be easier if we do October. Does that make more sense? Unless you guys can make it happen. You know, if you can make it happen before September, I'll jump on the road and I'll go and meet with you guys right before our auction. So it's going to be so, so, so exciting. Don't forget to send in your questions if you have any. And subscribe to the podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at The Activation Project, Olivia Eden, 88, Christina Sarmiento, 1111. And write into us. And, you know, if you guys can start sending us donations, you know, that's just going to help us to reach our goals faster. We'd really appreciate it. And we promise that we will be providing you value as far as YouTube videos. So YouTube videos will be out this week and the links to her merchandise. Talk to you guys later. 